0: Side, <laughs> I, don't the time, but I don't even fucking know. <laughs> Does it matter? Nah, you can see me, yeah. Really. Matters. Cool. Wonderful, cool. You can see me recording, yeah. We're all in. I feel like, we're I feel like that's facing too high. Do you
1: reckon? Bring it down a little bit. What do you reckon? Let's bring it down. Yeah, let's give it a go. Bring it down. What do you reckon? Always cut
0: it out in the edit. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we're looking up. Yeah, I reckon the bottom of the table would be a good start, isn't it? Yeah. Glasses and whatnot. Yeah, look at that. i
1: this is my first time.
0: Nah, this is good, mate. <laughs> mate, I, but you want it like middle frame, doesn't it? Yeah, you? Like yeah, yeah, Like middle frame. Yeah, yeah. This is exploring though, isn't
1: it? Yeah, definitely.
0: And we're both, are we centre?
1: Both of us? Do you want yeah. me to come across my side a little bit? Nah, it'll do. Share the we'll, wealth. We'll be alright, yeah. Right. Brilliant. We're in. Dean, how are you doing? I'm
0: good. How are you,
1: mate? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Good to finally meet you face to face.
0: I mean in the house as well. I mean yeah. what better place we do it, mate. Mm. It's crazy mm. that you're not you're not exactly far away from me, are you? So No.
1: This is good. No, no, no. When you said you said where you lived, I was like, oh perfect. It's only a couple more miles than what I'll travel for training anyway. So Exactly. And, you
0: know. Not it's not exactly Windsor, but I mean no. it's, it's a close, close second, enough. isn't it?
1: Yeah, so. yeah, definitely close enough. So um yeah, episode one. You are first. Episode one on the uh the people uh, people of interest. What podcast a, what an honor yeah so fingers <laughs> crossed no pressure whatsoever. no no not at all not at all <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed i don't mug it up either it just i didn't make even you know think, it was the first is get out of my house get out of my house <laughs> mm. um yeah so um dean you know, i think the reason why the, the the project i feel is a good thing for you to be a part of is specifically because I think a lot of the information we're given. I, I guess a lot of the the talk about topics and things like that is fantastic. And as we said before we started recording, there's a great kind of we've got great access to information now. Yeah. But for me, I don't think the information is always portrayed by the correct person in question. If that makes sense, or some yeah. of the statistics and the you know what what we discuss. So. And again, the, the military has always been one for me, just from a personal perspective, with the job that I do. Um, so when I was training to be um, a psychological therapist yeah. within the uh, within the Berkshire area, we would sometimes get referrals for people that are in the military, yep. um, and it was a straight no because they've got their own support. Like we we can't treat them as like a, I guess a civilian um, okay. service, yep. um, because we would refer back to their therapist or the team that you or the mental health team within the army. So. It, it, yeah, I guess for me, and with with that in mind, that kind of sparks me to have a conversation with someone within the military, not pure, not from a mental health perspective, because I I don't, well, we'll maybe touch on some of that today anyway. But this isn't a mental health kind of podcast, it's just more people within that environment in that profession and just having a chat with them, really. Because again, I think more with more recent news coming out within Europe at the moment as well, there's a lot of action coming or well we don't know that there's a lot of movement within Europe at the moment and it's a case of well again the information should anything happen or if it doesn't from a military standpoint it's going to be reported by mass media and necessarily not people within the the kind of army itself so again I guess it's not a conversation of wanting to break down what's happening in Europe or what you've been through but more just what it is to be a soldier I guess and within the military
0: yeah yeah absolutely I think um you sparked an interesting point when we were talking before we started yeah. the podcast. Um, we are talking about people in their fields, mm. you know, experts in their fields. You know, we changed. We said about that narrative before. I'm not an expert yeah. in my field. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm, I'm a lifelong learner, yeah. and I signed up to lifelong learning the minute I yeah. decided I wanted to get into the profession of performance and optimizing. You know, optimizing people's health, wellness, and whatever that looked yeah, like. Yeah. Whether it was mindset, perspective. Um, you know, and and our four pillars that I pr- pr- predominantly focus on is strength, movement, mindset, and performance. Because yeah. all the three, those three that underpin performance, yeah. strength, movement, and mindset, they all interchangeably link one another in yeah. order to create what would be a a robust, resilient soldier athlete, yeah, tactical yeah, yeah. athlete, for, yeah. for want of a better word. And there are some incredible, incredible coaches that are part of that field. Um, you know that that we've probably spoken about before yeah um and ones that are better mm-hmm. um we're all on the same level playing field but i, I would some of them I'd consider absolutely world class coaches yeah. in the field because yeah. they work with they work with the elite they you know yeah. they work with people that are from a broad spectrum that are pushing the upper end of soldier athlete performance yeah. you know so that's the first thing uh, i think you know to be blessed to be part of where I am and where I've got to mm. um and being a soldier, but that has come with a lot of exposure to a lot of different mm. things, yeah. um, operational environments, uh, lots of different cultural backgrounds around the world. Um, I do not pretend to know for one minute that I fucking know everything. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, No, that's no, fine. Right, but that's that's what I'm I'm known for being. That type of person. I'm known for being that type of person that is raw, is straight to the point. Is yeah. perhaps a little bit blunt about things, and I portray that same image on social media. I'm mm. right? no different in the yeah, fucking yeah, setting yeah, we're in yeah. now compared to, you know, what you see on social media. I'm yeah. the same with my wife, my children, mm. my family. We're all, you know, obviously cutting some of the profanity out, <laughs> the kids, but, you know, so if when you reached out to me and you said, you know, the people of interest podcast, and, and you were talking about what that. Was going to bring. Yeah. It sparked interest because it's an opportunity to not share my story, but yeah, it's an yeah. opportunity to create more impact yeah. with other people in the world that yeah. perhaps don't actually know what we do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so many people don't know what we do, and they. Yeah, and like you said before, I think that's why there is probably specific or or certainly people that are specializing mm. in working with military athletes mm. in a post-traumatic mm. mental health yeah. psychologist yeah, yeah. psychiatrist type of background
1: yeah
0: because it is such a combat is such a different level yeah. of, of of trauma and yeah. i'm not saying that nobody else's trauma is validated without that i'm yeah. just saying that it's just a different type of trauma yeah, yeah and being around those type of people and having experienced it you get you understand why there are mental health teams. You understand mm. why you've got mental health nurses. Mm. You understand why, you know, there's a CPN team which sort of work with you close in hand to help you go through that PTSD process mm. and help you come out the other end. Yeah. You know, help you come out the other end strategizing. Because yeah. you know? mental health in the army is, it's rife. Yeah. It's absolutely rife. It yeah. certainly is from the previous decade that we've just come from with yeah. Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah. And I don't think anybody doesn't have mental health. It's just people know how to strategize it in different ways. Yeah, 100%. You know, that's kind of, you know, it's it's a massive passion of mine, um, working with veterans, working with serving personnel, not from a mental health perspective, from a physical Mm. performance perspective. Mm. And I have people that I will always turn those people to where times are required, that, where they get that support
1: from. Yeah, brilliant. No, so. fantastic. Let's, if you don't mind then, as as I say, I know we had prior to today, we had a call, obviously, when I described the, the project to you and a lot of what you said, again, kind of through my through my interview schedule, I guess, of what we were going to look at together, kind of completely out the window for a completely good reason, because again, you know, going back to the point of, I was building my schedule up today based on what I'd seen and heard of from like a mass media perspective. And you you feel like you obviously get an understanding of obviously what you guys go through within the military. Yeah. And then, you know, we had that discussion of, yeah, we're not going to discuss in depth my kill-death ratio and the kill streaks for a better word of saying it, John, because it's completely inappropriate. But hearing it from you, who, again, who is within the environment, it meant so much more in a state of, do you know what, actually – yeah, you, you know, you you get why maybe we don't hear from military staff members within the media talking about maybe what's going on in a in a conflict area because it's it's just yeah it's a, but at the same time it's kind of a, a shame is the wrong word because that kind of makes it sound as if we outside of what you do are entitled to know but it's almost you know it's these it a lot to be left to understood or misinterpreted so I just wonder if we could could we go kind of like i guess enlisting training from like the beginning for you is that right and then we kind of work through so are you are you from a military background family or yeah so i have spent all of my life
0: as part of a military background family um you know and it's there's definitely a you definitely there's definitely positives pros and cons to Mm. both of those i was a very I come from a very blessed childhood. Mm. I had a mother and a father who loved each other dearly mm. all the way through, up until my um, up until my my mum passed away um, six six years ago now. Mm. But I had a very blessed childhood. You know, we didn't we didn't necessarily want for anything, yeah. um, which is probably what a lot of military what a, what a, a large population of military children go through is they never really want for anything because there's always that support network mm. there, and the military was. It gave me a lifeline and it taught me some very, very early on in my in my childhood, it taught me some values and standards that even at that age, you don't realize you're being taught values and standards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, everybody has them. We all pick up our parents' traits. We all work and live off the lifestyle behaviors that our parents instilled Mm. within us and our grandparents instilled within us. So, you know, my father was a was a huge dominant figure of a man, uh, very, very well respected. Mm. Um, and he was part of a Armoured Corps regiment that um, specialised in Challenger 2 tanks. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a reconnaissance uh, sort of packet to, uh, pack to that where they were worked on sort of closer target recce vehicles, yeah. uh, closer vehicle reconnaissance target recce vehicles. Um, so that type of background comes with a very specific type of person yeah and the regiment that i was sort of bought up in was a family regiment yeah. you know people knew everybody we knew they grew up with people mm. you know we weren't like a uh, there's so in the in the military there's lots of different corps, and they yeah. change from you know they do postings for three years for five years and they move around very much mm. like the one i'm in now mm. um you know like for example the logistics corps, the signals mm-hmm. all of these type of these, te- these these units, um, they're not teeth arms. They're the type of units that are sort of the background and the support yeah. to the teeth arms. And they're the ones that move around time to time and get attached to different units. So the unit I'd was I, I I'd been brought up in was a Queen's Royal Lazars, um, a Challenger 2 tank specialist unit, yeah. um, a family regiment of about 400, 500 people strong. And every single person that worked their way up through my dad's career was a mm. massive... A massive family figure to me. Mm, mm. Um, they were they, they very very quickly became best friends of my dad. I mean, you do when you're in the military; they become best friends with your father, and that's just part of life. You yeah. see them all the time. Yeah. So you then are not only privy to your values and standards that your mother and father set you, but you're then also in, indoctrinated into a community of mm. other what we would call pads brats. You know, yeah, they were yeah. called pads brats. That's back at, back in the day. Uh, and they still are now. Th- those type of children, that you know, those type of kids you surround yourself with, all come from that type of background. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um,
0: and from a minute, of, from an early age, my dad was—I wouldn't say he was harsh on us. He just—he was just a typical military guy, typical military sergeant major that you mm. wouldn't put a foot out a rock yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. But that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I had rebellious periods in my childhood. Um, my mum went through a stage where she had severe ban- panic attacks, mm. and I just added more to that when okay. I went into my teenage years. Um, got probably, I wouldn't say I got on with the wrong crowd because those people, a few of those people, to this day are still my best friends, yeah. and they're still people that I we we have as as our like our closest friends. We see yeah. you know regularly, we talk regularly. Um, so I've been with them for like thirty years and my like thirty five years, mm. but. There are some pretty rough and ready crowds that come with because they all come from different backgrounds in the military. Yeah, and some of those kids were explorative, should we say? Yeah. Um, and I joined in that. I joined in the drugs, the drinking, mm. um, a little bit of partying, like a partying like a bit of a prick. Yeah. yeah. Um, we lived in Germany for most of my most of my childhood. I spent in Germany. Yeah. Um, potting around in in the uk i came back to the uk a number of times yeah so you know you, you pick up sticks you move on you pick up sticks you move on yeah, it, yeah. it does have an effect on you of course it does and i'm not i'm not not gonna lie about that it does it yeah. does it does something to you that
1: other people perhaps don't see what you've just described there though with i guess that that rebellious side of stuff uh, again from a civilian perspective that is kind of expected or not expected, but it's just normal for us. I I could completely. So is it, does does it weigh differently because of that structure and that discipline that you come from, from an army background or because you speak quite, I guess, quite passionately on that of how you, you obviously you, you were doing those kind of those things of exploring being a bit of a shit, as you put it, but
0: just being a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Every other teenager goes through that that stage. You know, I I definitely wasn't the worst of the bad bunch and I definitely wasn't, a good kid. Yeah. I was in the middle. I, I was a good kid. I was, you know, I didn't cause my mum and dad some headaches. My God, I think they all do, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 Bloody getting nicked by the old bill or yeah, yeah. causing problems, the German polipsi. Yeah. You, know, you you do, you, like everybody goes yeah, through those yeah, processes. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody goes through those areas in your childhood and yeah. teenage years where you're just an absolute fucking twat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was one of those people, mate. I was absolutely one of those people. But it wasn't until, I think it was because I wanted to enjoy school. I mm. really did want to enjoy school, mm. but I didn't take my opportunities until later on in life. Yeah. And I don't regret that because I don't believe you should live by regret. I just missed a couple of opportunities that perhaps wouldn't have led me to a path where I'm in today. And I believe everybody has a path that they go down. Okay. The military, I've got a brother who's um, who's younger than me. Yeah, He's six years younger than me. Um. He was like your your typical golden boy. Yeah, he was a, a, an absolute keen sportsman. Uh, we yeah, were yeah. both very very keen sportsmen. He was just far more talented. I yeah. was just far more tenacious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they were yeah. The two different categories. Yeah. You know, my brother was talented. He come with that level of skill. Yeah. you know, but equally he spent most of his life playing football. Yeah, and you know, and he still plays football to this day. I spent most of my life playing football. Mm. I was just not as skillful or talented as he was. Yeah, I was just an absolute nutter on the yeah, yeah, pitch yeah, and wanted yeah. to go hard. Athletics, yeah. Yeah, country, yeah. all of that, you know, all yeah. of that sport. But what I did is I just, I sort of, again, you, you know, you you find little wrong crowds of pockets and that's exactly what I did. I went yeah. to the wrong crowd of the wrong type of pocket of people and I ended up doing things that most people do go through. Yeah, yeah. I don't think my brother has been through that process, but that doesn't mean to say his experience are any less, mm. uh, any less Worse or better than mine? Yeah. It's just we've had different experiences. Yeah, but we still both live by the same values and both yeah, like live yeah, by the same yeah. standards. Because my old
1: man. And I guess in some respects as well, your brother did go through it. He lived through it with you, you doing it as well, right? In in some respects. So yeah. I guess even with that, so it's kind of right. Like, I've seen Dean go out and do that, and then he came home, and mum and dad weren't happy. So maybe I shouldn't do that. And even if I did do that, I hide it better than mate, what Dean exactly did. That, so. mate. He <laughs> caught fucking he, he caught fucking first wind of how not to do something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of yeah. course he did. and yeah.
0: I was just, and but uh, you know I was just a guinea pig for him yeah. yeah, yeah but yeah. he was yeah again he, he I love my brother to death he's yeah. he's a we very very close mm. with each other and you know he's gone down a different path and I was always the kid that was probably going to join the military mm. 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 out of the two of us mm. he isn't in the military he he works in sort of car sales and, okay. and does all that but I went into the military at slightly later on in my life than yeah, what yeah. a lot of Potsbrach kids would yeah, be. Yeah. a lot of young Potsbrach kids or military children will probably go to like the Army Foundation College in Harrogate in the yeah, age yeah. of 16 okay. and they'll go through that process for me it wasn't about I, I, I wasn't ready at the time yeah. I think I enjoyed smoking pot too much I enjoyed drinking booze too much and yeah. I loved being in Germany I was playing with I was playing football with with some absolutely incredible people yeah. German friends because my mum was half German yeah so, I spoke German as well, you know, and I was embedded into the German culture where yeah, yeah. we were impalpable. So, I was a British citizen in the military community, but I was yeah, also, I became one of my German friends in that German community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get bled into that type of community. And if, mm. if and anybody that's listening to this will know what it's like mm. living in a BFPO, British yeah, forces yeah. sort of BFPO area yeah. in Germany. Um, and I was that person. I was always that person. I was always a jack the lad, yeah. um, trying to make people laugh, but equally being a little bit of a prick, doing things <laughs> that were probably cause me more damage than what they would do good. Yeah. But hey, that's what
1: teenage boys yeah.
0: do. Um, and that, that was part of my life.
1: Yeah. No, amazing. I think, yeah, again, what's quite nice about that is that uh, you know, suppose from, from again, my perspective and that ignorance of not knowing how the military works and growing up in that environment, you still very much had that civilian kind of, I, I, I would say lifestyle anyway, or that, that childhood from that, which I, I, I originally assume maybe that with that level of discipline that you have from military parents, you wouldn't go through or you'd be turned away from, but no. actually there's still that. Access We're absolutely as a, part of it. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: Like, military kids are privy to yeah. the same shit that everybody else is yeah. privy to. And yeah. we are, we're just as bad as all other teenage kids, yeah. um, you know. But we we just come with different experiences, you know. By the time I had finished school yeah. in, my, uh, in my in my at eighteen, mm. I had been through like fifteen different schools <laughs> yeah. from a young age. Yeah. You know, fifteen different schools, probably more than that. I think it was about fifteen different schools. We had lived in so many different places. Mm. You don't become
1: rebellious, but I think. Do you reckon it's just more that you don't get attached because of that, like that move around all the time? If you're if you've got that kind of what, like, nomadic kind of lifestyle. Do you think that it, it's not be it's not even rebellious, it's just a case of probably gonna be going in a few months or a year. So I'd enjoy I'd what I can here and I'm then the go. Really, I'd probably
0: yeah. say I'm the opposite. I'm a socialite. I yeah, am yeah, yeah.
1: somebody who loves human
0: interaction and yeah. I'm the type of person that would take my, last, my my very last T-shirt off of my back and give it to somebody. Yeah, yeah. That's just the type of person I am. Mm. That doesn't mean to say I'm a fucking charitable guy yeah, yeah. or a or a fucking hero yeah. at all. In no way or a shape, a shape or a sense of the word. Yeah. All it means is it means that I just value relationships with people probably more than they value them with me. And that's okay. And I understand that that's different for different people. And that's because I attach myself so much to people that I was part of. That I was with, wherever we got posted to, okay. because and those people are still friends of mine today. Mm. You know, um, one of my one of my friends who we're sort of about to start up a a podcast with. Um, you know, very similar, not not too dissimilar to this, is is a friend that I've been in school with and we've known each other for twenty five thirty years. Mm. We just knew each other in one school, mm. but we still connected. We still communicated. He's part of this industry, part of this fitness industry as well and performance industry. So it, it, I just atta- yeah, I just attached myself to people and was more relationship oriented. Mm. Okay. Some people are the polar opposite. Some yeah. people will detach themselves yeah. and close themselves off from, from the world. And that's okay. I understand that. Like, but there was a big gap between me and my brother. Yeah. Six years is is quite a gap. Yeah, we yeah, didn't yeah. really you know, as kids, we didn't really play with each other. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. that type of. I was out with my mates. By the time I was a teenager, yeah. he was, you know, he was seven years old. Yeah. So you know, it's I didn't have that relationship with him. So I had to find the relationship with. Other, I found the relationship yeah. with other people and yeah. became very, very, very fixated on people. And that's why yeah. now I'm probably the way I am to this day. Yeah. And the people that I went through basic training with, who I started my military career with, I'm yeah. still very close to. Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe maybe because. Just give a shit about yeah, people. I think yeah, you yeah. value things yeah. differently when you get a little more. Yeah, hundred
1: percent. Let's let's move on to that then. In terms of that basic training beginning. So what? what I guess what, where did you choose to focus your your military career in? Where where was it? Was it for so a exact,
0: exactly the same? So yeah. I joined the QRH. Yeah. My, I I like I said I was working, um, and before I joined the military, so I started training at the age of eighteen, mm-hmm. eighteen nineteen, um. I had a couple of years moving about a little bit, mm. working at 16, 17 year olds, earning a living, getting mm. some good money, doing what mm. I do, whatever. Um, and I joined the military with the intention of becoming a physical training instructor. Okay. Yeah. And that's because a week, I remember we did a work experience week, and I asked my old man whilst I was at school at like 16, 17, whenever it was, GCSE level, mm. if I could come and work in, come and work in the camp mm. uh, in the regiment. And I went and worked for a couple of days in the gym, mm. and the gym is anybody that is in the military knows the military knows that it's an experience that comes with <laughs> it comes with a certain um, expectation, and it lived up to that expectation more than you could possibly imagine. Mm. And I remember my old man showing me uh, a photo of the guy that was running the gym at the time. Um, his name was uh, Baz Davies, and the guy at the time was. This is a photo that was like maybe six, seven years uh, older, and the guy at the time was quite, quite a lump. <laughs> he was quite a big guy. Yeah. Um, and then the guy in front of me, who was now running the gym mm. after he went away and joined the corps that I mm. did, he came back to the unit as their Royal Army Physical Training Corps instructor, or at the time their Army Physical Training Corps instructor. Yeah. And this guy was an Adonis style figure, yeah, like a. a Leisureman Isis, 300 Spartan-style guy, yes. huge arms, massive jet. Like, what an absolute Adonis of a man. Yeah. But what was strange was seeing my dad walk through the barracks um, on a daily basis because I worked in the camp. Mm. He had a massive, massive following of respect from people. Mm. He was a caring type of person, exactly the same as me. He just gave a shit about the people yeah, he yeah. was working with to a point where he'd go to the squadron offices he'd whack open a packet of fags, a brand new packet of 20, and they'd be gone within 10 seconds. (laughs) Because he'd give his fags out to the bloke. So he'd have a chat with people and he'd genuinely want to know how their day is. Yeah, And that's been embedded into me. So seeing that level of respect from everybody else, I was like, there's nobody, like, I can't believe, my dad's an incredible human, an incredible human. To walk into the gym and see this guy, Baz Davies, command the same level of respect, Mm. but in a completely different sphere. I was besotted with the type of environment that I was part of. Mm. Um these guys walk around in white vests, they've got combat trousers yeah. on. They look absolutely incredible. Yeah. Like they really, really do look absolutely incredible.
1: Can I turn that off? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah. And just with with that uh that 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 feel that that, that look is it for for yourself, is it obviously the physicality side of the looking after I appreciate that. Is there also that just that presence, I, I guess as well. Just dominated that comes the ground. Of it. Yeah, Absolutely yeah, yeah. dominated
0: the ground. Yeah. And, then, and, and he was like the lead PTI. He mm. looked after the physical development. He looked after all of the programming. He looked after the health and wellness of the, of the, of the, of the regiment. Mm. And he then had PTIs underneath him, mm. physical training instructors that worked with him. And they were all very much the same. They all wore the same dress, yeah. walked around with these white vests on, combat trousers, boots. They just, they dominated everything that they did. Mm. And because because I was exposed to that, very lucky to be exposed to that yeah. at a young age, I very early on wanted to join the British Army to be a physical training instructor. instructor. Okay. I didn't want to be... I, and I knew I tried everything in my power. Just like in my head, I was telling myself there must be a way to get in there mm. straight away without mm. having to go through the ranks. You've mm. got to go through the ranks to get there. You, okay. have, you can't just join the Royal Army Physical Training Corps. Okay. It only takes people that are already qualified.
1: So, what, what would that include? So, prior to being in there, then what would what kind of work would you be doing prior? So to So, I have to that? go. So I'd have to go through doing. basic
0: training yeah. uh, and we'll talk about that process. Um, we have to go through basic training, phase two training. You have to do some time at your unit. Then you go and attend a, a course, a 10 week okay. course. Yeah. If you're successful, you then become a PTI yeah. uh, okay. within a unit. So these are the guys I was working yeah, with. Yeah, on yeah, yeah, basis. Yeah. This guy, Baz Davies, had gone away and then done a year long transfer recourse yeah. to become a Royal Army physical okay. training. Yeah. Yeah. So he was like he was like the best of the best. Yeah. But this group of PTIs were so... Because they knew my dad yeah. and my dad was well-respected. They welcomed me into that family mm. like you've never seen before. Yeah. And I always looked at the soldiers that my dad commanded mm. and my dad looked after. They were all they were all respected each other. They were all cut from a very certain cloth. Mm. And the people in the gym were exactly the same. The guys I was working with, or the guys I had friends outside of, um, outside of the military community with, mm. they were all... Pissheads. Yeah. They were all pissheads that wanted to smoke weed, do a couple of lines of cocaine, or wanted to go downtown and just get absolutely smashed off their grid. Yeah. And that was the type of life they led. And I was in that life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that one week of work experience, I'm not saying it was a click title and it changed me. Yeah. But it definitely sparked something where I started my physical fitness journey. And then my physical fitness journey and my performance and wellness Mm. started then seeing what Baz had achieved with his weight loss. yeah but then seeing the type of people, five or six PTIs that were setting up lots of different lessons. And in the yeah. old days, it was it was circuits and runs and boot boot mm. runs with, uh, with loaded Bergens on our back. Yeah. And that was the type of stuff they did. So I was watching them and going on these lessons with them, obviously with no load because I was just a kid at 16 yeah. and being completely mesmerized by the yeah, fact yeah. that everything that these PTIs said, yeah. everybody, 60 people did yeah. were eyes on and they did what they did. Yeah. So straight away, I was like, Okay, I I want to join the military, and I didn't know at the time if I was going to join the military. I think my dad thought of sort of knew I would because I was tenacious and I was a little prick. Mm. Um, And it was either that or probably become some absolute bumhead somewhere doing something (laughs) stupid. I don't know what that looked like. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I just couldn't see myself working in Tesco's or doing something shitty. You know, I'm not saying that shit for somebody else, but for me, that that didn't fill my bucket.
1: Because again, I, I think it's funny you say that because again my my own education experience like Christ my year 8 and 9 years I must have I I think 55% attendance for both them years I must have done like I was just, it just I wasn't interested D like I wanted to do something else and then one year um I remember I was, I was I'll never forget this I was in um I got called into isolation during one of my French lessons and it was my head of year that was looking after the isolation and I was like oh, fucking stitch up this is because me and my head of year great relationship absolute legend honestly that I I I owe quite a lot to him in terms of where I am with life now but um, my mum was a nurse, so she would always be working nights during um, like parents' evening, so she couldn't come. And obviously, it was just me and my mom at the time. Yeah. Um, so obviously, I walk into isolation. He's like, "Ah, oh, Mister Thomas." Because I, like, I knew as soon as I ran out, of I heard his voice, I was like, "Fuck!" He's like, "Is your mum coming to my parents' evening tonight?" No, sir, she's working. And he's like, Oh, should we give her a ring now then? I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. So like honestly, so he rung yeah, he rung a middle of isolation. I had like four other lads in the room as well just pissing themselves at me getting proper stitched up by him. Um and he said he's fair play to him. He was just like, have you ever like considered taking him down to an athletics track? And my mum was like, No, what? And he's like, Well, every time that him and or his his group of friends are bunking, he can never be found because he knows we're coming and he's run off. Um, but we always catch his mate. So yeah, we we got he obviously forced me to go down to track the uh, local track and then again like it was just fuck this is this is all like this like you know what I mean like I can chat to people how obviously not how I want to in a rude way but you know get on with people Mm -hmm. and there's this like competitive like I'm quicker than you. And we're, we're, it's, it's a really weird dynamic with athletics, i found. It's, because good, it's isn't it? Yeah, because it's an individual sport, but your teammates, you love them to death as well. But you want to be quicker than them anyway, because they might be the quicker person in your club then. that, yeah. If as long as you're beating them, then you know from a club perspective, yeah. you're going to dick on everyone else. And all of a sudden, like it, again, it wasn't the case of, right, this has completely changed my life. But it was like, do you know what, there's probably more to what I can do rather than being a bit of a shithouse running around with, yeah. again, lads that probably weren't, I'm not going to say they weren't right, because that's not it at all. That They're great lads. Love them to death. And the same for me
0: as well. Like, yeah. those people weren't,
1: it yeah. wasn't that they weren't right. Yeah. It was just they were doing things in the that, time. Yeah, that- yeah, yeah, yeah. Were probably more troublesome. Yeah, than anything exactly. Else. And it was just, it was one of those as well where it's just like I know that I'm I'm not an individual that if the shit hits the fan I'm not going to deal with this as well as what they would. Yeah. Because again, they they were from. Not not a deprived area, but they were from an area which I wasn't very privy to. Like I was quite lucky to grow up in like a quite a middle class area myself. Yeah, and uh, I I I obviously got on a lot more with them individuals anyway because their family structure reflected a lot of mine, like single mums and stuff like that. And um, obviously from different communities, which wasn't reflective of the bigger community within Hertfordshire. Yeah, and I was like, I I get on with these really really well. But they're going down a path that is going to end up biting me on the arse a lot more than it will them because they've got the street smarts and the understanding to just get on with it. Whereas yeah. I know I wouldn't. And then obviously, as I say, going down to the track then was like a big, big moment because it was like, yeah, fucking hell. There's something, there's good I can do here. Expending my energy into something which actually I want to do because again, there was, that was a first as yeah. well. Like, you know, my energy was being expended into school, which i, I was. I got bored in because I was doing quite well. And it's just like, this is not doing anything for me. Yeah. And then, yeah, going into that sport area, it's just like, yeah, okay, this is kind of different gravy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does.
0: It it, it absolutely, it saved me like 1,000%. Like even when, and it's funny that you say that, like you, you, athletics was my sport, Mm. athletics and football.
1: Yeah,
0: And... You know, I was always the 100-metre, 200-metre yeah, runner. Yeah. Um, always quick. Mm. Did cross-country for a little bit of time, but very, mm. really quickly realised I was shit at that. Yeah. And nothing much just fucking changed. To I'm, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I'm still shit at endurance. Yeah, but I, running,
1: I was like, no, nah, yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> exactly.
0: But I still, you know, I'll walk out that door tomorrow and go and do a marathon. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I was in Iraq in November
1: yeah.
0: in the country for less than a week, and I did a marathon in Iraq. Yeah, yeah. Ran around a camp 26 times with yeah. with for, for some sort of charitable yeah, yeah, yeah. And no training for that. Yeah. But it... it I think that's come with because of that week, because of like yeah, you, yeah. for example, going down to the athletics track. Yeah. Um, you know, my the lads I was with, I was always drawn back to sport, mm. always drawn back to football, always mm. had a, always had something in my hand or was yeah. doing something physically active. Mm. Whether it was mountain biking and riding and trying to get away from the old bill, there was something <laughs> physical involved in that. Yeah, yeah. Whether it was up at what we used to call the Astro, um, where we used to sit there, kick balls around. Yeah fucking play basketball till shooting in a place play red ass whatever it looked yeah, yeah. like we were always doing something physically active so it was it was natural for me when I f- when I was going through work experience to go and do that and mm. do something along those lines and I did and I fucking loved it mm. and that sparked what you just said yeah. there. it sparked that competitiveness of like, the everybody in that unit is looking at this one person. Everybody mm. in that unit is looking at Baz Davies, that mm. fucking absolute old school monster yeah. who who used to be overweight and unhealthy. Yeah. And now he's an Adonis. Like, I can do that. I can do that. You know, at the age of 19, 18, 19, I was like, dad, I want to join the army. And you could see in his face, he was elated and so happy that mm. in that moment in time, he was like, my boy's going to do it. Mm. You know, so we went off and did it and mm. i you know i'll you know i'll tell you right now basic training just carried that on it mm. carried on that ethos of being competitive it carried mm. on that ethos of being of doing sport mm. and doing physical things and you know what there were some there were fucking some shit times absolute mm. shit times my section commander my the force crew was um was a